When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Best on the Board. Let me be the 87th person or so to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. Michael Beller and Casey Joyner here to walk through our best bets for the remaining games in Week 12. KC, happy Thanksgiving to you. Same to you. How'd it go? Great, great day. Great, uh, good, fun family day. Uh, if you, you see the different setting, don't have my uh, usual bookshelf and everything behind me. I am here uh, uh, in Cleveland at my mother-in-law. has got a live studio audience in front of me actually right now. So this is, this is exciting <laughs> stuff. This is exciting stuff. This is exactly what a holiday should be, though. Yeah, it should be absolutely <clears throat> family and podcasting. What, what you know, isn't that what the the pilgrims wanted, right? <laughs> that's exactly. I think that's exactly what we were going for, and also hopefully some winning bets, right? I think yes. that's that's exactly uh, what we what we hope uh, that we got. So, uh, every, uh, week twelve got off to a, a you know a start. I don't know if I would call it an exactly <laughs> thrilling start with the games that bookended the day around that great. Raiders-Cowboys game in the afternoon, but it certainly got off to a start on Thanksgiving. We're going to look ahead to the rest of the week to come. we got a big, big uh, week's uh, 12 Sunday. I think a pretty fun slate, actually, ahead of us, KC. So we're going to talk through it on this episode of Best on the Board, presented by BetMGM. Last week, 1-2 and for you, KC. Two and one for me. You're at 11, 20, and one on the season. I am at 13 and 16. Let's get into it. Let's get hot. Let's start right here. We still got plenty of time to turn this thing around for the yes. end of the season. Let's go with one of your picks first Patriots and Titans. Patriots, six and a half point favorites in this game at home against the Titans, a Titans team that is dealing with just a ton of injury. Two and one since losing Derrick Henry, but clearly they have not been the same team without Derrick Henry. No, and you picked up on that last week. <clears throat> Excuse me, that pick where you picked uh, Houston, Tennessee, and mm-hmm. it, it, that was and that's a big thing that the run game is nowhere near as good. I mean, P, uh, Adrian Peterson's now gone. I mean, he wasn't you know, what, what they thought he was going to be. They got Hilliard in there now, but <clears throat> their running game is really bad right now. Uh, but my, the reason I'm picking this is because uh, I mean they've got 238 yards in the ground over the past three weeks, so they've, they're obviously not doing well on the ground. Julio Jones is on IR. AJ Brown suffered a concussion and a hand injury yep. last week. Not just a concussion, he's got a hand mm-hmm. injury too. So even if he does play, he's not going to be anywhere near as good as he usually would be. And if you're Bill Belichick, okay, you're not of AJ Brown. I'm not worried about Nick Westbrook Akini, so I'm not really worried about him. I'm not worried about Jeff Swain as a tight end. I'm not really worried about their ground game. The only thing I'm worried about is shutting down a banged up AJ Brown and seeing if I can get uh, Ryan Tannehill to throw more interceptions mm-hmm. like he did last week. Yes. So I'm like, okay, they're not going to have any kind of an offense. The Patriots' offense is doing. They've got the most creative run ground game in the league. They they, they they do a fantastic job. They just want to punch you straight in the mouth. They can do it with power running, but they're also incredibly creative. So. As a defense, you can't overplay them in any particular way. So Tennessee is normally pretty good against the run. I don't think that they will be, though. And not only that, uh, 
you know, the pay, the, the, they've allowed fewer than ten points in three straight games. I mean, it's it's something mm-hmm. that's been it's it's a, for that kind of a streak. It's very rare to have that happen. So I think, uh, and they've scored twenty four more points in seven straight games. They just keep adding up. I'm like, I don't understand why the Patriots aren't more than the seven touch seven point favorite. I, I think if where these teams are right now, they should that that spread is based on where the Titans have been, not where they are. You know, the galaxy brain take on this game, Casey, is. The whole conventional wisdom, Bill Belichick takes away your best player. What if there's no best player to take away, right? Then is that, <laughs> did the Titans figure out some magic backdoor to solving the Patriots? Don't have a best player to take away. Then Bill Belichick like <laughs> spontaneously combusts and they win this game. I mean, I really think that that's something where you're like, this just, the Titans are going to be like, if these two, let's, let's fast forward like seven weeks. These two teams sure. meet in the playoffs. Derrick Henry's healthy. AJ Brown's healthy. It's totally different. Yeah, the Titans yes. are probably favored in that setting. But this yeah. is just a horrible time for the Titans to be catching the Patriots. Absolutely horrible time. Love this pick. Not making it myself. I am on the Patriots in my survivor pool where I am still alive. I feel very confident in the Patriots pick there. It's going to be a popular pick for obvious reasons, but I just like there's really no way to get behind the Titans. I will say if there's a silver lining from that game against the Texans last week, they put up 420 yards of offense, and that was yes. after averaging like 230 in the first two games without Derrick Henry. So they did do that, but a much different opponent on the other side in Houston versus what they're going to see in New England, especially, as you said, with what New England can do running the ball. That is a very explosive duo that they now have. Ramondre Stevenson has looked great over the last few weeks. Pairing him with Damian Harris like the Patriots here in this spot. I'm going to go to a road underdog for my first pick, KC, a team that I've talked about quite a bit on this show. The Minnesota Vikings are three-point dogs in San Francisco. I love this team. I love – you've probably heard me say this like seven times this season. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I love teams that can do what they want to do reliably. doesn't always lead to wins. Doesn't always make you the best team, but the Vikings pretty much every time they go out there, they know exactly what they want to do. They want to get Delvin Cook going. They want to be able to hit some big plays, get eight to ten targets for both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and have Kirk Cousins play efficient football, not turn the ball over. And they do that a lot. Sometimes they lose, but they still do that. And I just love having a team that can bank on doing what they want to do more often than not. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. That's this Minnesota offense. So getting three in San Francisco feels like a really good spot for this team to me. I see the Vikings as on an island in the NFC. We have the top-heavy group of the conference, the five teams that we know are headed to the playoffs in one way or another. We have the morass of mediocrity behind them where some teams, some combination of the Eagles and the Panthers and the Saints are going to get into the playoffs. And then you've got the Vikings in between. Not quite with that top group of teams, but I think certainly better than the rest. And the 49ers are in that rest of teams. I know the 49ers have looked better over these last few weeks since they've gotten healthy, since they've gotten George Kittle back. They've gotten Brandon Ayuk going. Love what they're doing with Debo Samuel, getting creative, using him as a running back. And then that also elevates what Brandon Ayuk is able to do because there's more targets available for him. It's a very creative offense that we've seen from Kyle Shanahan over the last three weeks or so. But we also have to be realistic about the manner in which they have gotten to this point. They caught the Rams at a great moment. They uh, beat up on a bad Jaguars team a week ago. It's been a little bit different for the Vikings, a higher degree of difficulty. And we know that home field advantage has meant virtually nothing in the NFL this season. So this right here, this Vikings plus three, I think this assumes that we're talking about a previous home field advantage. These feel like even teams to me, so I'll happily take the three and run with it. Yeah, and the thing is, if you look at the the 49ers, or sorry, you look at the Vikings, then then they've got the makings of a good defense at times this year. But I look at their when you look at their uh, secondary over the past four weeks since week uh, eight per True Media, 
the Vikings rank, if I, I do a fantasy uh, ranking of mm-hmm. defenses and how they do in vertical passing, and they're 30th in the league in vertical pass, or in fantasy points allowed in vertical passes since week eight. <clears throat> but I look at that again, San Francisco, and I go, okay, I still don't trust Brandon Ayuk. I know he's playing better, but yeah. I don't fully trust him. <clears throat> and I, and I, and I, you know, Debo's very good, but it's like, okay, will San Francisco do that? I'm like, well, San Francisco does that. Now you're asking Garoppolo to win the game. And I'm like, if I don't like, I don't like that from San Francisco's perspective. So if they can get the, the vertical passing game going, I think they can cover this. But again, are they going to want to trust Garoppolo to throw as often as they should to take full advantage of that? Because if you try and do it the other way and they try and run the football, you're playing into in the Minnesota's uh, hands. So mm-hmm. as long as San Francisco can't get that going or if Garoppolo gets it going but he makes a couple of uh, interceptions a couple of bad decisions then yeah I would be behind this pick first two games that we've talked about here Patriots Titans and Vikings Niners huge games in the playoff race one in the AFC one in the NFC this is another one that you're picking here that is going to matter to at least one team a great deal in the NFC and KC I gotta ask what has changed for you here with the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that you've been fading over the last few weeks, but here they are, three-and-a-half-point favorites in New York against the Giants, and you are riding with the Eagles. Let's hear what the change of heart comes from. I'll start with, I did an article for the Inquirer this week. I write for an article, a weekly article about the Eagles uh, for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and they're right now at plus 1,100 to win the NFC East. And I looked at it, I'm like, plus 1,100? Mind you, I wrote this article before, before yesterday's yeah. game went out. Yeah, before the loss. <laughs> like that. And I went through, and the New York Times has this playoff predictor uh, software that you can do, and I went uh-huh. into this playoff predictor software, and if you post all the, the different wins, I'm like, okay, what do I think the Eagles could do? What do I think the Cowboys could do? So it's like, it doesn't take only a couple of games to go a particular way, and suddenly the Eagles yeah. would have like three to one odds to win. <laughs> or, you know, it, it would be like, okay, it shouldn't be as where it is right now. So, like, I think the Eagles are being a vastly undervalued team. The thing that gets me is they're running the football, and they're running it very effectively and they're being as creative as they can be they're very inside zone heavy so they're going to it's a certain type of power running they're going to do this is not a subterfuge team they're going to do uh you know uh, run play run pass options and things they're going to do that that kind of stuff because you're going to do it when you have Jalen Hurts but they're not a team that's going to be really creative they just have really great offensive linemen and they've got the best offensive line coach in the league they've rushed for 175 or more yards in four straight games that's only the 44th time that's been done since 2000. So basically, teams do that about two times per year. And, of mm-hmm. course, when you can run that often or with that effectiveness, you're going to win a whole lot of games. Their defense is playing a lot better because their offense is protecting them and they're mm-hmm. able to do be a bit more aggressive, in fact, a lot more aggressive than they were earlier in the year. So Jonathan Gannon, we're finally seeing why they made him a defensive coordinator. He's not a great defensive coordinator yet, but first few weeks of the year, I wonder why in the world the guy had a job. And now it's like, <laughs> okay, he's playing really well. Mm-hmm. And the Giants... Their offense, let me look at the talent they have. If the Giants played at their talent level, yeah, yeah, they should be within three and a half, but they're not playing their talent level. They fired off at the coordinator. You're not going to get a huge change in production when you fire the coordinator. You can't change the system. Yep. They are who they are right now. I'm looking at this going, the way the Eagles are playing right now, again, people are thinking about them the way they played the whole year. It's like mm-hmm. if you take the last month and how they played and how the Giants have played, the Eagles should be more than, you know, it's three and a half is a, is a gift for them. I think that I'd, I would buy it down to three if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, they, if there's an offer out there, I would buy it down to but I think they'll. St- I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win by a touchdown because when you can run as well as they can run, I, I, it's it's just a huge advantage. There's been a sea change for the Eagles over the last month with that shift to the run-heavy offense, and you know we we see that teams can surge and then come back. Right, the NFL season, even though it's a short season compared with other sports, we talk about it's still an ebb and a flow. And so when you do see a team turn things around in such a way that the Eagles have, you want to see, you want to be able to point to something substantive that has changed for the team and say, you know, because of this, that is now happening. And sometimes you can't. And that's when you look at a, you look at a team's turnaround and say, yeah, maybe it's just sort of 
of the way the game shakes out every now and again. But with what yeah. the Eagles have done, it, it we do have that substantive change that tells us, you know, this team has a new identity than what it was in September and the first couple weeks of October. This is a much different team now, and a team that is competitive, a team that I do think, whether it is by sneaking up on the Cowboys and winning the NFC East or by getting one of those wild card spots behind the Minnesota Vikings, of course, that they ultimately <laughs> are a playoff-bound team. So this is a big game for them. If that's going to be true, if we're going to be right about them, even though this is a road game, you can't lose to the Giants. You can't go into no. New York and lose to a Giants team that, frankly, is already thinking about 2022 and is probably ready for the season to be over as soon as possible. So a big spot for the Eagles. Like this play here on them. Minus 3.5 at the Giants. I'm going to quickly go back to the game that I already picked once. I'm going to pick the total on a two. I'll get us out of here on this one quickly because I basically <laughs> already said it. Love what Minnesota does offensively. Love what the 49ers have done since getting healthy. And it's really the 49ers side of things that pushes this to the number that I like. Over 48 and a half for Vikings and 49ers. The one concern is that because of what the 49ers do, you could see a game that moves pretty fast, right? You could see a game that only has two possessions in a quarter because of what the 49ers do offensively and what they want to do offensively, no matter if they get Eli Mitchell back or if they're leaning on Jeff Wilson again this week. And so that's a little bit of a concern for any number that gets into the high 40s. But both of these teams do what they do so well, do what they do very efficiently. And so I don't think this is a game that needs volume and possessions to get to this point. I would happily take volume and possessions, but it doesn't need <laughs> that to get to 49 or 50 or 51. So I feel like there are multiple paths to this game going over this number, and it just feels like when you simulate this game in your head, there are way more ways to get over the number than under the number because of the way these two teams live yes. offensively, and so that's why I like it. When you have that much this this much big playability on both mm -hmm. sides of the ball, yep. it, it, even I mean, if if they get Mitchell back, then they've got even more yeah. big playability. Wilson's not a big play guy, but mind you, if you put him in a goal line, he he'll find yeah. the end zone. So you know, like that, Kittle's back to what he was. Mm -hmm. You look at Kibble, you Kittle and Samuel, and you look at uh, you look at Ayuk, and and we mentioned earlier the. Uh, the uh, Minnesota Vikings issues in covering the vertical passing game. So you look at that, and yeah, I, I agree with you. There are many more paths to above this than there are below this, and that's a good way to go. You've got at least six chunk play players in this game, and in my in my calculation of that, I'm not even counting Adam Thielen because of just his his <laughs> yeah. what he does is a little bit different. It's not like like Adam Thielen can get you 20 yards. He's not going to get you. He's not going to take 20 and turn it into 37, right? But like with Jefferson, with Cook, with Kittle, Ayuk. Samuel Mitchell, if he plays, there are a ton of chunk play players in this game, and that's why I like it to go over the number. I'd add in Tyler Conklin too for oh, as yeah, far as sure. at least a goal line threat. He's not a yeah. chunk play player, but as far as a goal line threat, I yeah. mean, there's a guy who can you know, there's another you know, guy who can put the ball in the end zone. We're talking about a game with Adam with uh, with Dalvin Cook and and Jeff Wilson and J George Kittle, and maybe the best goal line player in the game is Adam Thielen, <laughs> right? With what yeah. he's done over the last few years being a touchdown machine. So a lot of ways that this game goes over. Not so many, I feel, that it goes under. All right, KC, one more pick a piece. Why don't you get us started here? You just can't get you can't get out of the muck, my friend. Last week you picked games that involved the Texans, the Jets, uh, the Jaguars, and some other, I think maybe the Lions, some other bad team. I just remember it was another bad team, and now yeah. we get two of them together, and you're like, oh my god, I got to get in on this. Texans minus two and a half against the Jets. Let's hear the pick. Well, you convinced me last week that Houston's <laughs> playing so much better, and, and mind you, David Kelsey's done a good job with. If you give them a, a couple, three more wins, if Tyrod Taylor had stayed healthy, David oh, yeah. Kelly would be a 
a coach of the year candidate. I'm not saying he'd win it, but you'd be seriously considering what he could what he could be. I mean, when they lost a quarterback, it's a big deal. But obviously, they have Taylor back. He's doing good run of the ball. He's not so good passing the ball, but he's doing good run of the ball. The Texans gave Miami a strong run for the money a couple weeks ago. They pulled the upset off over Tennessee. They've, they've got 10 takeaways over the last two weeks. I mean, their defense has been a, fan, a, a turnover-creating machine. And mind you, I mean, this is against the Jets. Now, the Jets are playing Zach Wilson, and it, he's the worst quarterback that they've had this year. I mean, <laughs> that crazy. says something. When, when Mike true. White and Joe Flacco have been better than you. And, and Josh that's... Johnson for like a quarter and a half, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he's, he's got a 5% uh, interception rate this year. One out of 20 passes that he's throwing is getting picked <laughs> off. And now he's facing a team that has 10 uh-huh. takeaways the past two weeks. Uh, the Jets are inept at takeaways. They have eight all year, and they posted two of them in that blowout when it go blowout loss a couple weeks ago. They were meaningless. You take those out, they've had six the whole year. I think that the the, 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 te- the Texans is going to win the turnover battle by at least two. And I've, they've got you know, if if Taylor starts to play better, and you saw progress last week again. The Titans defense is pretty good, and the Jets defense is the worst in the league. If you see Tyrod Taylor playing at even just a mid tier rate, mm-hmm. and you've got everything else they've got going, I'm like, I, I really I like them a lot. I think they, they I think they. Go win by easily more than three this is best on the board obviously not our fantasy show but i do host our fantasy show and you write fantasy columns for us so i just want to throw this at you we um we talked about this on our show on wednesday has there ever been a team as bad as the jets that has like three for sure fantasy starters because they do right i mean Corey davis you're probably starting him yeah jameson crowder you're probably starting him yeah. ty johnson with michael carter out you're probably starting him and like you feel good about starting all those guys you could throw elijah moore in there it's like yes. they actually have some like fun talent on offense of course when michael carter's healthy he's in that mix too but they just suck yeah <laughs> right. the defense is just it yeah. the defense has just been atrociously bad i just i mean it, yeah. the metrics when you start looking at their metrics in the run and the pass they're just they're just abysmal i do I, elijah moore is a very good i think yeah. uh, he, he he should be a starter but it's the big thing is that and i do you can't predict turnovers from game to game not necessarily but when i look at the texans going they put up 10 takeaways the past two weeks and you know, five in each game like okay so they've been doing it very well and, they, and it, again hey if they if you're talking mike white in this offense a couple weeks ago and things and, and you know maybe catching lightning in a bottle yeah it's fine i just think wilson's going to be rusty and if he throws a couple three interceptions i just think houston can like I said, if, they, if you if you win the turnover battle by two you're probably going to win the game i mean it's, you've got a tremendous chance to win the game and i think and if you can win the game, you're going to be mm-hmm. win by more than three again with the Jets. I, uh, because Michael Carter's out too, but he's a, mm-hmm. a very big engine for the offense. I like Ty Johnson. I've got him in a couple leagues and starting with fantasy, but I just don't think he has quite the uh, the impact that Carter does. Plus, it's the depth. If you move him up to one, now you're moving Coleman up to two, and I really don't like what Coleman is, so it takes away something from the offense. All right. I've got one more pick for us before we wrap things up. Huge week, Casey, in the AFC North. We've got the Browns and the yes. Ravens getting together on Sunday Night Football. Earlier in the day on Sunday, the Steelers and the Bengals. That's where I go for my final pick. I like the Steelers plus three and a half in this one. It was actually up at four and a half earlier in the week. I liked it even mm. better at four and a half yeah. than I did. liked it about, uh, let's say, one point better at four and a half than I did at three and a <laughs> half. But I still like it here for a number of reasons. First of all, Second time these two teams get together, very familiar with one another personnel-wise, a lot of carryover from last year to this year, and there's just a tendency when teams are this familiar with one another and you know above-average teams, as Pittsburgh and Cincinnati both are, that the game is played close. Then you think about the styles that these two teams play, both teams that are going to lean on the defense, especially on Pittsburgh's side, both teams that are very happy to trust their running backs, Najee Harris and Joe Mixon, both teams that have explosion 
in their passing games, but haven't quite leaned on it to the way that I think a lot of us expected coming into the year, especially Cincinnati. I really thought Cincinnati was going to take a major step forward as a passing offense yeah. this season. I really thought that there was a chance, there was a, a, a scenario in which we were talking about them at the end of the season, the way we talked about a team like Dallas coming into the season, with Joe Burrow taking a step forward, with getting Jamar Chase grouped with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And it just hasn't been there. They've been a fine passing offense, but neither the explosiveness nor the volume has been there for the passing game. And so that all adds up to this game being close. Minka Fitzpatrick back for the Steelers. T.J. Watt sounds like he will be back for the Steelers as well after missing last week's game. That's a huge difference, right? I mean, the Chargers, great offense, no doubt about it. A whole lot of talent on that team. When you can put together Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams for a guy like Justin Herbert, you're going to rip off some big plays. You're going to put up some big scores. But throw Minka Fitzpatrick and T.J. Watt on the field in that game, I don't know if the Chargers put up 41 the way that they did a week ago. So now you get those guys back for Pittsburgh. You do it in a game that just has the feeling of being much more of a grab-and-hold sort of game rather than free-flowing the way that we saw Steelers and Chargers a week ago. And it just feels like a game that stays within three. You could flip this, Casey. You could put this game in Pittsburgh, and you could have Pittsburgh be a slightly better team and have the Bengals plus three and a half. I'm all over the Bengals in that spot. I just think this is a game that stays within a one-score window. All game is ultimately decided late in the fourth quarter with a field goal from someone. So I like the Steelers getting the three and a half. I, I wish they had Joe Hayden back. I would mm-hmm. be a lot more on this pick if they had Hayden because he's been a he's allowing uh, every time I do these four week windows for uh, yards per target allowed for cornerbacks and things. He's allowing less than five yards. It was like the last time I looked, it was like two point eight. I mean, the guy's allowing nothing, but he's he's hurt. The good thing news for them though is Jamar Chase. You can start see the rookie wall start to come in. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not an impact player anymore, but you look at what he was earlier in the year and just look at his metrics of the past few weeks, and you can start to see a okay things mm-hmm. are starting to decline yeah, just right. a tiny bit there. I think I could see the rookie wall hitting him, and it's not hitting Najee Harris in the same way. So mm-hmm. I like it from that perspective. Uh, if I knew if I knew Hayden could play, and I, like I said, I think he's not going to play in this one. That's yep. the one that worries me. But for the Bengals to get win by more than three and a half, they're going to need to go past heavy to go after the Steelers. Yep. I just don't think they're going to want to do that. I yeah. think they're still going to want to play the slugfest kind of game. And if you play a slugfest kind of game, you play a game that that leans towards this. If they were willing to go shootout mode, I would be more on board with uh, with the Bengals uh, covering this. But if you're going to go slugfest, I think you're playing in the Steelers' hands. So yeah, I, I, I like this pick. I, I think they. I just think they can't go shootout mode with their offensive line against what the Steelers yeah. can do getting after the quarterback. I think that's really the problem for Cincinnati here. I think they they've got everything else to go shootout mode. And if they had a little bit better of a line in front of Joe Burrow, then maybe yeah. they would go that way. But that's a dangerous route to travel against a Pittsburgh team with a healthy TJ Watt when you have the sort of line that Cincinnati has. So that's a a project for this coming offseason for Cincinnati. Love what they've been doing. Think we are going to be talking about them as a uh, years-long contender uh, in the AFC, Uh, but uh, they really need to build up that line before we're talking about them as anything more than a semi-surprise playoff team, which we could be talking about them as this season. So I wrap it up with Steelers plus three and a half in Cincinnati this week, and that's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking some time out of your holiday weekend to uh, spend with a couple degenerates like me and KC. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. KC, again, happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend. Be safe. Be happy. And of course, as always, we sign off with happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.